Well, how about that recruiting tool? Yeah. So, I just figured, how could we inspire us to all pour into the younger generation? I know, we'll bring them to us, right? How about that? That was just amazing. That was amazing. So, thank you, Heartland Kids. Really fun. So, um, you guys well today, by the way? Are we, good in, are we in a good place? All right. We're in our second installment of this series called Sightings. And um, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there, uh, there's been a picture that's been released that was kind of, kind of interesting to me and to what we're talking about. Uh, here's the like, graphic design of our series. Uh, it's this red kind of flame there. And then do you see what's on the right there? Anybody know what that is? That's the black hole that was discovered, I think, just this, this last week. And it's called M87. It's really creative uh, 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 naming there. It's 55 billion light years away. It's 6.5 billion uh, greater in mass than the sun. And scientists had to construct a, um, like a telescope the size, like replicate the size of the earth in order to capture it. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. And let's leave it up for, for just a second. Um, by the way, you're, you're asking, it's a black hole, right? Which means that nothing can escape its gravitational pull. And if you're pulled into it, the time and space continuum ceases to exist. It literally, the thought is it leads you into like a whole different realm where our parameters and our understanding of things just can't even, can't, they just don't even hold anymore. This is, this is absolutely amazing. And what if it's a black hole, you might ask then why the red? Those are particles being sucked into its vortex. This is just incredible. So let me just ask you a question as you, as you think about this, because it's really been celebrated as it should be in the scientific world now in the popular culture. Let me just ask you a question about, a simple question, just about your thoughts on existence and reality. Do you believe that there is just a physical reality or realm, and that's all there is, because there are some that just say, yeah, just whatever I can fit under the microscope, whatever I can uh, through uh, empiricism or through empirical method, whatever I can deduce or use by my senses, my sight, my taste, my touch, my feel, all those kinds of things, that's the physical realm, that's the material world. Is that all that exists? Or do you believe there's also a spiritual realm Connect, uh, you know, in addition to the physical realm. So there's physical and then there's spiritual. This is my, me whiteboarding without a whiteboard, okay? You see this? You see the circle? Physical, spiritual, okay? Now, um, I'm not going to assume, but I would suspect that the most of us in this room, we believe at least in these two kind of entities, right? The realm, physical realm, the spiritual realm. Now, there are some that believe that actually... You live in the physical realm, and then you have to die in order to experience the spiritual realm, right? That God's kind of the one that, he, yes, there is a God, and he created the physical realm. Um, but as someone say, it's kind of like he created it like a grandfather clock, and he set it to tick, and then he walked away and just lets it do its thing. But there is a spiritual realm. You've got to die in order to enter it. So there's two, two spheres, two realms, but they don't really connect to one another in the here and now. But then there's another option I want to present to you 
which is that the two realms, the physical and the spiritual, overlap and interlock. And the biblical picture of existence, of reality, is that these two realms in our everyday life, this is the picture of, of true reality of our existence. And you go all the way back to the creation story where God like spoke things out of nothing into something extravagant and glorious and beautiful and that the spirit of God was hovering over the water and he called everything good and very good. And then we look at the life of Jesus and he says things like, seek first the kingdom of God, which is this idea of like the kingdom and really is this idea of the, the two interlocking together. And as he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's right, it's right here with my, with, right with my dangly fingers where all the fun is, really, where all the action is. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's right here in the interlocking of that? We're going to look at a story here from uh, Exodus chapter, chapter 3. It's the story of Moses. We're going to jump right into this very pivotal moment where he experiences a sighting. And in order to engage in it, we have to understand uh, at least that this is, the, this is the worldview the Bible is offering, where the physical and the spiritual interlock. Let's jump right into it here. Here's how it begins, chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, which ultimately became known as the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now let's just stop for a moment. Can you can you envision that? Can you just kind of picture kind of a, um, a Bedouin shepherd? And then notice it didn't say like in the wilderness, on the far side of the wilderness, kind of in the shadows of this mountain, which was called the mountain of God. And there is a bush and, and there are flames of fire from within the bush. Can you picture that? Now Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Do you see the interlocking moment there, right? There's dust and earth, there's bush, shrub, and, and fire, and then there's those things that we can't quite explain, strange sights, interesting sounds from where we can't trace. It's right here and there. And there's all sorts of like miracle around. Like, like what's the first miracle you notice in this? I'm not going to ask you to shout it out, but just think about it. What's, what's the first miracle that you notice? Me, miracle, Moses. 
Moses, the human body in its design. Moses, made in the image of God. Moses, made with all of the senses here in the material world. As human beings, we are a miracle. It's just incredible. What's the second miracle? A bush. Have you ever thought about how amazing a bush is? I mean, it's got wood, it's, you know, it's got bark, it's got flowering and bush, shrub and all that. And most of its activity probably in this part of the world for sure is happening down underneath where you can't even see it, where it's just like its roots are going down in and it's sucking the rainwater and it's absorbing in the nutrients. It's a bush, if you just ever stop to think about it, a bush is amazing. Is it not a miracle? What's another miracle? Fire, fire is phenomenal. How many of you like grew, like you grew up just wanting to play with fire? Okay, good. We're, we're going to watch you, right? No, like fire is amazing. Like I've, I've sat around two bonfires just in the last five days. It's just like incredible. You just watch how the flame morphs with the wind, how it wraps around wood and, and then changes color from blue to yellow to orange, how it shoots up to the sky, how it sucks oxygen as its nutrients, right? How it shoots up sparks to the sky, how it smokes and then how it smolders all the way down and changes the substance. Like a fire is like a a superhero man because it changes everything in its path into a totally different substance called ash and different than a bush where a bush survives and thrives on water water extinguishes fire it's just incredible how this all works are you, are you as excited as me yes. now think about this here's another miracle that there is a bush that can catch fire have you ever thought about that I mean, that's just amazing that a bush would have in its substance, in its wood and in its shrubbery and all those things, it would actually have the ability to not only be touched by flame, but to grab that flame, absorb that flame and live off of the flame. I mean, that's just incredible. What's the last miracle we can talk about, though? There are more. That that bush catches fire and is not consumed. That's incredible. I mean, there's just there are all sorts of moments here in this place. There are all sorts of moments in this interlocking. And I want to be the kind of person that lives right here in that place. I want to be that kind of person. Because if I'm just this guy, just physical guy, like I might be really smart, I might be really intellectual, but I'm kind of boring. Because it's just all predictable, right? And I'm only going to be the kind of person who will believe what I can, what I can kind of control by my mind and fit into to my box, right? That's the physical world. If I'm all just 100% physical guy, right? There, I'm going to have some limitations. But if I'm 100% all spiritual guy, then, then what I am, am I? I'm just weird. You know what I mean? I'm just like cuckoo, wacko guy that has no real use uh, or is, has really nothing off, to offer the rest of the world. And we might know some of those people, right? Or it's just all spiritual. I want to live in that integrated place, right? I want to live in that place where I see sightings all around me. And, and the, the true confession for me is I'm on this journey of really being really good at seeing things in hindsight, you ever had those moments? You're like, oh, dude, that was a God moment, right? Like, like God was doing something there right there, and I just missed it because I was hungry, you know, <laughs> like, or I was in a hurry, or I wasn't paying attention. Oh, but now that I look back, it's as clear as day, like God was setting a bush on fire. 
And there was an opportunity to pull alongside the road and help somebody. There was an opportunity to reach out to somebody like, but I just missed it because, I, you know, that, that's hindsight. I want to be moved to the place where I have sightings and I can see God setting bushes on fire all around. And I have the presence of mind to step into it because that's where the adventure is. That's where the wild ride of, of walking in this life with Jesus is. And so that phrase of Moses just that simple line has captivated me just like to the core where he says, I will go and see this strange sight. I will go and see this strange sight. See, that's who I want to be. Einstein says it this way. He goes, look, there's two ways to live your life. One is to assume that nothing is a miracle or to assume as though everything is a miracle. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Because there are, I believe, there are bushes being set on fire all around us. Will we have the eyes to see it? Will we have the courage to step towards it? And what do I mean by that? Within the physical world, within the spiritual realm, in the interlocking. Let me just give you a few, few examples of how this works. God sets things on fire around you where he wants your attention. He wants to speak to you. He wants to call you to something new. And sometimes he'll do it through circumstance, which could be incredible breakthrough or it could be really hard battle. But he's, he's setting that bush on fire for you because he's wanting to grab your attention in a new way for your best and possibly for a new trajectory in your life, such as the case for Moses. Number two is repeated patterns in your life where it's just like, okay, I keep hearing this over and over. Like this theme, this observation just kind of keeps on like uh, presenting itself. I think I need to pay attention to that. That's a bush being set on fire around you if we have the eyes to see it. How about just connection with other people? Just like you, you might have friends, it could happen in a relationship, could happen in a friendship, could happen um, with your kids. Holy cow, our kids set bushes on fire all around us, don't they? Right? What's the next one? And you kind of lead me out of here. Great care from a doctor. Scientific breakthrough, like a black hole right? How about great artwork? I was thinking about this um, really specific to my dear friend and so many of our friends, Dylan Mortimer. So Dylan, if you've noticed down in Heartland Kids and over near the dock area of our building, we put up two new art installments that we have purchased called Halo. Those were designed and created and crafted by Dylan Mortimer, who right now is going through his second double lung transplant. And so if you know Dylan, and even if you don't, he's just a dear dude going through, again, his second double lung transplant. He just got matched yesterday. He's in New York City, and we're waiting to hear. So what we'd like for you to do is as you see the, that halo all lit up and go, go over there and read the uh, curator notes and things like that, just pray. Just go, God be with Dylan. Give him, and isn't this beautiful? We're asking him, give him new lungs from just wild science, right? Wild, beautiful science and give him new breath. Breathe into his lungs of God. That's what we pray. That's what we pray. How else does God set things on fire? Uh, by the way, this is the short list, but through dreams, through sleepless nights. 
I'm learning begrudgingly that if I can't sleep or if I'm awakened in the night, that maybe God wants my attention about something. Those conversations with God don't start well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Visions, um, either in my waking or my sleeping. Healings, Let's, prayers, promptings, nudges, just this like, okay, what, what do I do with it? I just have this thought. And, how do I know that's not just, you know, that I, as I like to say, ate a funky taco last night? And how do I know that that's God speaking to me? There's one more we didn't put up here, and that would be the Bible, right? The Bible, um, written by the hands of men, breathed into by the living God. It's actually both in those both places. And so a lot of bushes get set fire for me in that very place. At the end of our time here, I'm going to ask each of us just a simple question. Will you walk towards this strange sight? Because I just believe. I believe right now you have certain things that you don't know how to make sense of. You don't know how to file it away. Might be a nudge, might be a prompting. You might, without even knowing that you fully believe in God, you might be right now hearing from God. And that's a strange sound. And I'm going to ask us to walk towards this strange sight like Moses did. And I want to walk through, not in a formulaic way, but I want to just give us a couple of kind of handles or stops along that way. What did Moses do that gave him the ability to walk towards that strange sight and what happened? And, and the first I want to start with is just simple curiosity. Like Moses was really just profoundly curious. Think about this. You're out in the middle of the far side of the wilderness and you see a bush on fire. What would be your first thought? My first thought would be someone did not put out their campfire. The jerks. You know, I'd be like, I'm going to call Smokey the Bear on him, right? Or there must have been a lightning strike. I would go straight to, and you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but I go straight to the natural physical phenomena of why that would happen. Now, what, would a, what was necessary for Moses to actually see that there was something more than this? I mean, you see a bush on fire and flames are coming out. Now, maybe it looked a little different than normal fire, don't know, right? But you'd have to actually stop and study it. You'd have to observe it, and you'd have to be there a while. How long does it take for a fire or a campfire to go out? Long time, right? This is why guys get inventive when it's time to put the fire out. Okay, no laughter. Anyways. So Moses clearly had to stay there long enough to observe that this flame was not diminishing and the shrub and its branches were not being consumed. He had to stay there a while. He had to observe what might have been really familiar. I mean, you know, you, you set things on fire if you want any light at night. I love how Einstein, I just finished this book on Einstein. I, I understood half of it, maybe. But there was this beautiful quote that I think will, will challenge us a little bit. Here's, here's what it said about Einstein towards the end of the book. It says, curiosity, in Einstein's case, came not just from a desire to question the mysterious. Okay, think about that. 
He wasn't just trying to unlock the mysteries of the universe. Where did his genius came from? It came from a childlike sense of marvel that propelled him to question the familiar. Those concepts, that, as he once said, the ordinary adult never bothers his head about. That's what Moses had to do. He had to, he had to question what might have just been really familiar to him and stay with it a while. That's curiosity. That's curiosity. In fact, I just kind of built a little less in, in part inspired by that quote on Einstein. What, 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 with curiosity, you have to, first of all, have a disposition in you that assumes wonder. That just assumes wonder. And then you have to notice. I mean, do we live in a world where, I mean, are you a good noticer? I'm a horrible noticer. My wife is the most amazing mechanical person in the world. She builds stuff, she demolishes things, and then she rearranges things. And so our house, we play this game. Like I come home and it's like, you know, try to guess what I've done today. And there might be walls missing. I won't notice, right? And now my girls love to play the game. Dad, notice anything different about me? Man, that is being called set up for failure right? Because I'm so in my head, right? And sometimes we're so on our phone and we're so busy and we're so harried about going from here to there that our head's just not up and we're just not noticing. And then guess what? We, if we do notice, guess what we don't have? We don't have time to move that to any further place along this observation place. We don't have time to linger, to linger. Here's a few more kind of things uh, from the list to question the familiar as we, as we discussed. Let's bring it all the way down. I, I really, I think this is important. That a curious person likes understanding. You want to figure stuff out, absolutely. But more than that is you actually want to participate in even what you can't figure out. You like understanding. You like getting, making sense of stuff. But more than anything, you want to you want to engage and participate, even if you can't fully understand it. That's what a curious person does. And then, of course, a curious person just asks questions. Just simply ask questions. The best friends, the, the most relational people, the people you want to be around are people that ask questions because they're just curious. They're just curious. They're curious about you. They're curious about what you believe. They're curious about what you do for a living. They're curious about your family. Curiosity is such an attractive quality, is it not? Because it draws people to you. And if we have a curiosity about one another and about the natural physical world, man, to apply that curiosity to the spiritual world is just powerful. Did you just, have a, just ask questions with God. We were talking around the bonfire um, Friday night, just, um, just saying, one of the things that unlocks curiosity for me is just a simple question. What are you up to here, God? What are you up to? And all of a sudden, it's like I snap to attention to the reality that he is up to something, that he is speaking, that he wants to set bushes on fire around me. He is and he has. And when I ask that question, it just opens me up all of a sudden. It puts like an availability in me for seeing what I otherwise would just be too busy, too frenetic to see. Are you a curious person? Are you curious about others around you? Are you curious about what God might be doing? Are you curious about the natural world? Are you curious about the spiritual realm? 
What's the opposite, by the way? What's the opposite of being curious? I've been thinking about that. And I don't know that I have the right, the right word. Um, but I have my word, okay? And here it is. Resignation. Resignation. I'm not saying that's the antonym of curious, but I think it, there's a resistance for us. And, and that can look in a couple of different ways. Resignation, particularly as it relates to the spiritual realm, of that is too unfamiliar to me. And that freaks me out. So I'm just resigned to stay where I'm comfortable. Now, so even maybe here today, you've walked in the church and there, there was a lot of like Palm Sunday, you're like, Palm what? There was a lot of hallelujah, like, what is that? You know, and there was a lot of this, these things. You're like, okay, now kids are coming. I don't know what's going on here. This is all f- unfamiliar to me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut down because, boy, there's, there's, I'm just going to be resigned to stay where I am, even though there might be this, this hunger. Conversely, and maybe more poignantly, there's those of us who are too familiar with these things. There are those of us who've been following Jesus for a really long time. But we've taken some hits along the way. We've prayed some big prayers that weren't answered the way that we were asking and praying them to, pray, to go. And somehow, our sense of adventure, marvel, wonder, our openness to that God is always on the move and speaking has just begun to shrink, to shrink, and to shrink. And all of a sudden, we're resigned to say, I guess this is all there is. I guess God has just set the clock and he's walked away. I guess God could, could set a bush on fire 2,500 years ago. But I don't believe that he's doing it today. And I just wonder how many for us are in that place where we're just kind of deadened by the years. You know, it's interesting. We, we, um, we just received some research from a survey that we all did as a church, and we'll find a way to give you the whole, the whole picture. But one of the things that is actually quite predictable is that those who are most on fire have been following Jesus for two years. And those who are most resigned or lackluster, 20 plus. What does that say? What does that say about you and me? What does that say about like where our hearts are? Are we leaning in? Are we saying, okay, I'm, I'm curious and I'm open to the possibility of God moving, moving in a new way, moving outside my paradigm? Or have I allowed so many years of just familiarity, growing contempt that I'm resigned to say this is just the way it is? And will you, whether it's all just so unfamiliar in this spiritual realm or whether it's all too familiar to you, will you move from curious to, to courageous? See, that's the next stop, stop along the way. From curious to now I will step. And that's what Moses did. I mean, Moses was like he saw it, he observed it. And then he says to himself, I will now go to that bush. That took so much courage. Remember, can you picture the fire coming out of the center of the shrub? Whatever your picture is, 
You've never, like, at first, maybe it's normal, but the more you see and you see that it's, it's, this is something different, this is tapping into a different realm, this is not a campfire, right? You're seeing that thing, and now you're going to walk towards it? I mean, do you, do you have any idea what could happen? I mean, you've never seen that before, right? I mean, the thing could explode. The thing could implode. It could be a black hole that sucks you in as a particle into its vortex. You have no idea, right? But Moses had the courage just to take a step. And when he took that step, this is the, don't miss this part. When he took this step, there was encounter. There was encounter. Now, there was a, there was a bush on fire, and that counts, Right? But what kind of encounter am I talking about here? Relationship. God at his very core is relational. He's made you and me at our very core. Our greatest need is to be known and to know, to be loved and to love. And so God does this thing. It's a strange sight. Moses is curious and pretty soon he's courageous and he steps towards it and then bam, there's encounter. Look with me here. I want to make sure we don't, we don't miss this. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, now God calls to him from within the bush by name, Moses, Moses. See, I just think that's really, really important. It would have been easier, would have been easier if the voice of God happened before he noticed the bush were on fire. You know, it would have been like, okay, not only is that bush on fire, but it's talking to me. But instead, there was this, his ability to see it, to observe it, to move towards it. And then you get the sense it says, when God saw that Moses did that, it's kind of like, oh, now I can see there's something in this, this man that's hungry. There's something in this man that's open. There's something in this man that's ready now to hear my voice. Now, I don't, I'm not saying this is how it always works, but I think there's something in this that when we take a step of courage and we don't know what that step is, then God says, all right, I'll meet you right there. And, and what was it first? Like who moved first, God and then Moses or Moses then God? The answer is yes, right? But for Moses' part, he just had to step in that and then he hears his name, hears his name, Moses, Moses. And then the beautiful response just a beautiful response. Moses could have said a, a thousand different things, right? He just said, here I am. Here I am. And if you know the story of Moses, you know it took a lot for him just to say that. He was a genocide survivor. He was abandoned by his mom. He was found by the Pharaoh's daughter. He was put back into some weird foster type scenario with his birth mom and then after he was weaned he was stripped from his birth mom back into the arms of the princess now in the court of the Egyptian king doesn't know who he is is he Egyptian is he Hebrew now is he a Midianite he's so confused he's so lost he's killed a guy He's been re rejected by his own Hebrew people. He's now been hunted by Pharaoh the king for the murder, and he's out in the far side of the wilderness. And all the words that he has to offer are, 
here I am. Here I am. And that's all that we need to offer too. And that step, wherever you are. If you're just... If you're, if you're just like hardened after the years, if you've resigned, if you have felt your heart shrivel, if you have felt that sense of adventure of following Jesus has just died and you're just deadened and muted inside, that's all you need to say to God is, here I am. Here I am. If you don't know Jesus, but you just know something's missing in your life and you've, you're, you're now resolved to no longer resign yourself to say, I guess this is just what life is, and you're seeing maybe others around you and their hearts are being set on fire because of this person, Jesus, then all you need to say too is, here I am, no matter what wilderness you are in. No matter the pain that you are suffering, no matter the mistakes you have made, all you need to say is, here I am. We checked in last week on a story by a woman named Cindy Jerome. And uh, Cindy, in about the last 18 months, she lost her son, to an opioid um, overdose, suffered a, a divorce that, that was not of her choosing. And last week she kind of chronic, chronicled through this, like, how do you get over this? Why would this happen? Well, she had some friends come around her, neighbors, in fact, that just began to love on her, care for her. And one of them began to just very kind of consistently say, hey, at my church at, at Heartland, we do this thing called the Alpha Course, the Alpha Experience. Weird name, right? All that stuff. Um, but ultimately, Cindy decided that she would go. She would walk towards that strange site. And I want you to hear in her words how she just basically said, here I am. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And especially... When you're someone like me, you don't let people see you struggle. You're out there and you're, you know, you're the happy one. You're the one that's going to make the joke. You're the one that's going to lift up other people regardless of what's going on. Because not, you're not important enough. Honestly, that's really, really, really what it is. So when my friend doggedly asked me to join Alpha, I had no idea what it was. I grew up in religion. Um, I knew about Jesus. Um, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's basically what I knew about the Holy Spirit. And it's so much more. That's what I really came to know. But this friend, I mean, just relentless that she wanted me to go to Alpha. And I don't know what Alpha was. Um, so I went for a distraction. I wanted to be distracted. I wanted myself not to feel all oh, those anger. Oh, I was just so angry, so angry. And, um, and it was, I'm not sure at who. I'm not sure who I was angry at. You know, myself, my son's father, my son, you know, the whole God. I was angry at God. That's just saying, here I am. You know how much faith it takes to say I'm mad at you, God? Do you know how much courage that takes? 
On our Easter weekend together, we'll hear more of Cindy's story of that courageous step that led to encounter, to led to that just moment of, here I am. I'm just seeking distraction, but here I am. I'm mad at myself, but here I am. I'm mad at God. God, I'm mad at you, but here I am. There's one last step to this story. From curiosity to, to, to courage to encounter, but then God's going to ask something of Moses that I think is fairly common to what he asks of us too. Look with me here. He calls him to a risk. So God from the bush says, do not come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. There was something transformation, all of, transformational. All of his fear about Pharaoh hunting him down, fear of his own insecurity, fear of everything else comes up against this beautiful, radiant, transformational fear of the living God. The sighting that he has as he walks towards the strange sight. And what's the strange thing that he's asked to do? What, is, what does God say? I want you to do something and it feels a little maybe odd. He says, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. I don't know what that felt like for Moses, but I know that when I walk towards a strange sight, Oftentimes, it'll just feel a little awkward. It won't feel slightly normal. And all my fear of what will people think and all my, you know, fear of rejection. And I just want to be normal, even though normalcy is overrated. Like all those things swirl in my head. But God is asking me to take some measure, not of risky behavior, but some measure of risk to just, I think, maybe solidify this moment that will send me and you on a whole new trajectory in our lives. And I'm trying to learn how to do that. Uh, two weeks ago, Monday morning, I'm right on string line. I come to about where Buffalo Wild Wings and that light is, and, uh, and a police officer pulls up right beside me, a Latha police car. And I just, I just have this curious thought, like, is there someone in, in, the, in the back seat? And I'm kind of looking because it, like, then I have the thought, well, then maybe I should pray for them. And then I like didn't see anybody. Then I had the thought, well, I should maybe still just pray for the back seat of that squad car because bad things happen and people are in a hard spot in the back seat of police cars. And then I have the thought, well, maybe every time I see a police officer, a squad car, I'll pray for the back seat of their squad car. And then I have the thought, maybe I should go to the Aletha Police Department and ask to pray for all of the police cars and the back of their squad cars on their parking lot. And then I have the thought, I'm crazy. <laughs> so I say to God, um, okay, not saying no, gonna just say that's risky, weird, right? And, um, and but if this is like of you and not just me, then bring it back. So I'm in the hub. Monday morning, no one's around, reading my Bible, doing this, this thing. The thought comes back to me, and it won't go away. And I have this sense, like, it might 
be about just that. It could be about something else. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm like, who do I call? I think of a police officer in Lawrence. I'm like, no, no, this is Olathe. I think of one uh, Olathe buddy of mine that works at the department. I'm like, no. I'm, and then I think of a third guy. His name's Joel. And uh, just on to me, I probably shouldn't have said his name. His name is Frank. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I text him. I say, hey, uh, you know, I've got kind of a question for you, kind of, right? And then... While I shoot that off, waiting to hear back, uh, one of another staff member buddy comes by and he says, did you hear about the, the shooting over at 127th and Black Bob? There was an altercation, a live shooter. There was a police officer um, that shot that suspect, was not harmed. Um, one guy got away, but they took the other one in custody. He said, I had no idea. He said, I just wanted to make you aware. I go, okay. Not connecting anything going on at this point. Then Frank calls. And he's like, well, what's going on? And I said, well, it's kind of, I just had this, it was a thought, I want to pray for the back seat of your squad cars over there at the station, not conspicuous, like I just, just want to make it look like I'm on a walk. <laughs> and then he says, this is cool. He says, well, actually, there's another church in town that twice a year, comes and scrubs the insides of all of our squad cars. They clean the inside. I had no idea. It's so amazing. Isn't that cool? The Church of Jesus is just so cool. And, um, and he goes, and so if you don't want to be conspicuous, you could come clean the insides of the cars. And I'm thinking, I was not calling to create a service project here. I was thinking 15 minutes in and out, right? And then he says... Did you know that in two days or next Monday, I will be moved to being your very contact to do this? Remember, I was thinking through different people to call. I thought of this guy, right? I go, no. And then he says, and did you know, did you hear about the shooting yesterday? I said, yes. He goes, well, I'm only going to tell you this because you're clergy. But then he told me the officer involved in the altercation, who's fine and the whole thing. I know him been disconnected from him just because of time and space and that, that whole thing, and was able to reconnect with him. Just from this one little curious thought that led to another thought, that led to an adventure, and apparently to me scrubbing the backseat of squad cars. And by the way, uh, this friend of mine, Frank said, he goes, and the front seat needs prayer too, he said. <laughs> now let me tell you what caused me to make that call. I'm sitting there in the hub. This is now the second time it's come to me. And I say to God, well, would you just remind me about this again, Lord, is what I said. And then I heard these words. Do you want to be a one prompt guy or a 20 prompt guy? Do you want to be a one prompt guy or a 20 prompt guy? In other words, I felt the gracious words of God say, what is it going to take for me to trust you so that our encounter and relationship will grow so that you can walk this wild ways of Jesus so that you can be on the adventure so that your arrows can point out in a myriad of ways what is it going to take to know Am I going to need to prompt you once or 20 times? 
And I just offer that question to you, you guys. You don't need to be following Jesus for 20 years. Your prompt might be just really simple. You're going to go to the hub and sign up and serve in Heartland Kids. Because, man, if you want to just assume wonder, they got that nailed. Your prompt might be to, to go join this Alpha course and just take that step. Weird name. Where is it? By the way, we take the weirdness out by the launch being at Casey Joe's across the street. So you've got to register for that. But that will take courage. It'll take curiosity to go make that step. Your prompt could be driving alongside the road and you feel like you should pull over. Your prompt should be to hit your knees and square up with your child and ask them a question that they've been dying for you to ask. I don't know what it is. But I know that our curiosity can lead to courage, can lead to beautiful, sweet encounter, and it will be risky. And are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to take that risk? God only calls us to these things because he loves us. He wants his very best for us. And he looks at you and me who might be just a little bit resigned in fear, resigned in comfort. And if we're honest, we know it is shriveling us up inside. It is literally deadening our souls and we want something more. And I believe God is beckoning you into his more. There are fires being lit all around you. Would you stand with me? And would you just open up your palms? And let me just pray us, pray over us and I'll pray us out. But just take your palms here and if you just go, yeah, I need to be called again to see these strange sights, then let me just pray for you. Or maybe it's for you the first time. So Lord, for all of us in this room, I just, I just like get it pumped when I think about just the number of folks in this room, let's say 600 people. If there were 600 people that were one prompt people for you, this city would look different. Our marriages, our rooming situations, our children's lives, our local schools, our places of work, if we were a one prompt person, they'd be radically different. And guess what? You and I, we'd be way happier. We'd be so happy with our lives, jolted out of our malaise, awakened to the new reality, to the interlocking of physical and spiritual. God, you're setting bushes on fire. Give us this week eyes to see it, courage and curiosity to walk towards it that we might encounter you in a transformational way for ourselves, but for others. And God, call us to a risk that says we are fully yours and we're living in the fear of God and no longer in the fear of others. In Jesus' name we go, amen. You can join and sing with us if you want. You may go in peace today. Thanks for being with us.